is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Hello, hello and welcome to Box 39 with me, Bill Lawrence, and I'm live from Studio One on the fourth floor of Colne Radio Towers here in Wivenhoe in North East Essex. And I'm joined this week by Adrian Cohen, who's in the Musicology Library down on in Studio Four on the first floor, and by my guest presenter this week, Craig Barker, an old friend of Box 39, and uh, recently appointed as Emeritus Professor Professor of Digital Tax Avoidance Technology at Price University. Craig's newly appointed post is uniquely funded through Lord David Price's global digital retail empire and its wide range of affordable push payment fishing opportunities. Now, we've all been told that size, well, it doesn't really matter. But in this episode of Box 39, we are investigating both big and small to determine once and for all if this is true. We're all fascinated by size, things that surprise us with their unique dimensions, proportions and magnitude, capacities unmatched, enormities unparalleled, measurements unrivaled. So should you be preparing yourself for victory at the Sunday evening pub quiz down at your local, or if you're hoping to hit the jackpot on your GCSEs with a level of general knowledge that your friends can only imagine, then this is the show that you need, because we're going to investigate everything that is big and small in life, that which reaches uniqueness in any size or form. The momentous and the significant, the greatest and the most profound, the noblest, the coolest, the most eminent. In short, the grooviest things. So let's open Box 39 once more as we investigate the utmost and the ultimate, the big and the small. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They took all the trees, put them in a tree museum. The Indonesian word for big is besar. It's the adjective big. Unlike in English, Indonesian words are created based on root words which are then modified by prefixes and suffixes. Besar is a root word. Membesar means to grow bigger. Membesarkan means to make something bigger. Membesar besarkan means to exaggerate. Terbesar means the biggest. Subesar means as big as. Subesar besarnya means as big as possible. Besar besaran means large scale. Kebesaran means too big. Pembesar means big shot or bigwig or a medicine like Viagra. Pembesaran means enlarged and perbasaran means magnification. There are 14 different words based on the root word for big. Then you have the Indonesian word for small, which is kecil. Now, by using basically the same prefixes and suffixes as before, the root word for small can be made to mean young, unimportant, as small as, as small as possible, to become smaller, to shrink, little by little, to belittle someone, to reduce, to minimize, to underestimate, to make smaller, the smallest, and reduction. All based on the root word kecil. 
The logic of all this makes Indonesian a far more straightforward language to learn than English. This is Box 39 with Bill Lawrence and Craig Barker. And this is Big and Small, our show about things that are unique, whatever their size. Good evening. You are listening to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humor, and chats, live from Studio One at Cone Radio Towers, 106.6 FM Cone Radio, with myself, Craig Barker, Adrian Cohen, and Bill Lawrence. And this is our show about big and small, our examination of all those things that are the most momentous, the most significant, and the most profound. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me here tonight, Craig. It's lovely to see you. Pleasure. Uh, it's uh, a rather fetching hat that you're wearing in the studio. Thank you very much. It was, of course, those uh, tax dollars that uh, purchased that, but we don't need to talk about that. No, no, absolutely not. Discretion assured. It's the motto, the, the motto of everything to do with Bryce University. Of course. Okay, those magnificent men in their flying machines. I'm sure you've heard of that film. Well... It wasn't based on an original dystopian novel written by Oscar Wilde. You see, that's just an urban myth. That's something that's just invented and placed on the greatest machine in the world, the internet, which, as we all know, is kept above Antarctica in its own special cloud. So, Craig, you've got a technological background, Mm. technology background. Let's start. Let's examine the big and the small of machines. Well, let's start with the Large Hadron Collider. It's the biggest machine man has ever built to date. Wow. Do you know the reason why it was actually built? No, I don't actually. I I, I have heard of it, and I'm aware it does sciencey things somewhere. It was actually built to study the smallest particles in the universe, subatomic particles to be precise. Right. They're, they're, I, I don't really know. That means smaller than the smallest bits. Smaller than the smallest bits. Wow. Indeed. wow. Yeah. And you need the biggest machine in the world to <laughs> do that. You certainly do. It was first fired up <laughs> on the 10th of September 2008. Okay. But the tunnel it sits in was actually completed 20 years earlier in 1988. Right. Wow. So it's a, a huge machine in a tunnel. Uh, There must be a lot of people working on it, presumably. There is indeed, yeah. It's the work of thousands of scientists, engineers and technicians. Right, and and whereabouts is this? This isn't near uh, Colchester, is it? It's not, no. It's located near Geneva on the France-Switzerland border. So a little little bit further than than (laughs) our our home here. Wow, that's that's the biggest one. Well, I know there's other other ones, other big machines. Um, I'll give you uh, Le Tourneau L2350. Do you want to have a guess what that is? Is that... Is that an earth mover? (laughs) Yeah, it is. You know, you've seen it. You've obviously seen pictures. It's huge. It's got... It can load and move Earth in one go, a sort of a, a 80 tonnes. That would be like moving 30 cars in one go. That's something else, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The tyres, 13 feet tall. Five, five feet wide. Five feet wide. Now, that's going to take a lot of leg action, pumping that up that with would. your foot pump. That would, it? wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Think of the quads after that workout. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's bucket. Well, uh, it's the same as five standard dumper trucks. So, it's a huge bucket. And it's got a 65-litre diesel engine, <laughs> which is huge. That is massive. Yeah. Okay, what else have we got? Uh, well, we have Harmony of the Seas, which is the biggest cruise ship ever built. Any wow. ideas how many stories that might be, Tom? Well, I've seen uh, big boats come into Harwich. I don't know if you've ever seen those sort of holiday bo- uh, cruise boats, and I think probably about eight. Oh, eight you're very close. Ten stories. Wow. That is a lot, isn't it? That's If you think we're sitting in Colm Radio Towers and we've got, we're on the fourth floor, there's another couple above us. So it's sort of doubling that. It is, is indeed. And we're yeah. the tallest building in Wivenhoe. Well, we are, yeah, indeed. 14 swimming pools, two cantilevered over the edge of the ship, two surf simulators, a casino. <laughs> it really has it all. It's got 14 swimming pools. 14 swimming pools. Well, you need a lot of uh, swimming pool attendants. You do indeed. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Although the top speed, 30 miles an hour. That's incredible. Never get caught speeding in one of those. (laughs) No. I think we've got one more. I'm going to pick one out of of the uh, the hat here. Mm -hmm. I'm going for, we've done big. Let's do small. 
So I'm going for the world's smallest mobile phone. So uh, everyone's in a mobile phone. It's about the size of your hand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Something like yeah. that. This has a 12-millimeter screen, which is essentially the size of your thumbnail. Maybe? So you can maybe fit one emoji on that. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. Just about. I mean, it's <laughs> tiny. It, but you can get 300 contacts in it, and you can send, it will store, rather, 50 uh, text messages. Well, I mean, that's okay. Yeah, that would probably do the job, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, what else do you need? It's about the size of a tangerine. Oh, so what's that? About yeah. 50 millimetres, just under. Yeah. 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 Okay, so look, those are the world's biggest and smallest things. Um, but we're going to come up with a, a, a maths number, okay? Mm-hmm. Um uh, this is like uh, the, the world's fastest supercomputer, mm-hmm. right? So during uh, the pandemic, which was a, few, uh, a year or two ago, mm-hmm. they they used this machine, the world's fastest computer, and it took two days to do what would take months on a normal computer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, uh, th- it does a quintillion of calculations per second. And to get an idea of what a quintillion is, every second it is one plus 19 zeros. That's unbelievable. Yeah, every second. Every single second. Every second. Almost as many as are going on in my brain right now. (laughs) (laughs) And the point of that was to, to do what exactly? Uh, it will just do super things. I think it was all about trying to work out the coronavirus right. spike protein. Okay, yeah, so to eventually prevent infection, presumably. Yeah, but it's a brilliant thing. It is. So th- we can have wonderful big machines, but we can have equally wonderful small machines. Isn't that perfect? Superb. Shut Sumo wrestling is certainly a sport of big and small. It mixes brute force with skill, and body weights in excess of 200 kilograms take care of the brute force factor. When I lived in Japan in the 1990s, the biggest wrestler, known as a rikishi, was the Hawaiian-born Konoshiki, who weighed 267 kilograms. Two other American rikishi in the 90s were Mushashimaru and Akibono, who weighed 257 and 256 kilograms respectively. They personified brute force. Case in point, the Mongolian-born Hakuho has been the grand champion for longer than any other sumo wrestler in history. He stands 6 foot 5 inches tall and weighs 225 kilograms. Earlier this year, Hakuho went up against Enho in a sumo tournament in Tokyo. Enho is the smallest sumo wrestler in Japan at just 5 foot 5 inches and a svelte 99 kilograms. Well, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, or so they say. The more nimble Enho skillfully used Hakoho's weight and lumbering momentum against him, and using a judo-type throw, he flung him to the ground to win. As I said, sumo is certainly a sport of big and small. tonight is myself, Bill Lawrence, and I'm with Adrian Cohen, who's just been playing you some music, and you've just heard him, and Craig Barker, and this is our show about big and small. And we're examining the extremes and the absolutes in life. Now, it's a funny old world out there, said Lord Duke Sir Bobby Moore, uh, the man who captained uh, West Ham when they won the World Cup for England nearly 60 years ago. It's no denying, he hit that truism nail hard with his old chestnuts hammer and uh you know places in the world 
that are uh, unique. Uh, let's start with the first one. Then this one is, Craig, you're never going to believe this, but there's actually the shortest flight in the world in an aeroplane. takes less than a minute. How is that even possible? I know, and, and it's quite near here, really. It's between Westray and Papa Westray, right. which are in Scotland. I okay. think they're on yep. islands somewhere out in the, uh, above Scotland. And it's, it's actually a commercial flight. Really? Yeah, it's 1.7 miles, <laughs> and it's Logan Air, uh-huh. and it just connects the island 50 second, uh, 57 seconds. So you'd have to wonder whether going through security and going through possible <laughs> yeah. control is really worth it for that trip. Yeah, you've got a three-hour check-in, three hours beforehand. Three <laughs> <laughs> fifty-seven second flight. Amazing. Yeah. That Come is. on, what else is happening in the world then? Well, how about talking a little bit about Mexico City? Because it's right. actually sinking by about 3.2 feet per year. Wow. So three? Hang on, that's a lot. That is a lot, yeah. Well, it was originally built on a lake right. in 1325 AD, and right. the Aztecs filled in Lago to Texcoco to create an artificial island. Yeah. And as a result of that, it's starting to sink. So, uh, and this is, uh, presumably, it's sinking because they're removing something that's underneath it. That's right, yeah. Well, the Spaniards created a second location atop the ruins in 1521, but water extracted from the aquifer below the city has dropped a total of 32 feet over the last 60 years. Well, well, yes, I, I sort of appreciate that's a bad thing, but that water is, is being used well. I mean, that's being, presumably, it's being used by the Mexican fire brigade uh-huh. um, because they've, they're quite a, a notable fire brigade in Mexico, aren't they? They've got, of course, the, uh, the um, famous uh, twins in that Mexico fire um, service, haven't they? Jose and Jose B. <laughs> Very good. (laughs) Uh, It's the oldies are the best. Of course. Now I'm going to take you to Russia and China, two countries that are seem to be a little bit in the news these days. Mm. And they are border more countries than any other one else. 14 each. 14 each. So um, I'm going to to, do a little quiz. Which of is uh, China or Russia does border North Korea? It's got to be China. No, you see, I would have gone for that as well, but actually, it's Russia. A little bit of Russia extends all that way there. So we've got European Russia, we think of, but of course, it's a a double continental. I can't remember how many times those it has, but isn't it? It's double figures, I believe, isn't it? Russia? Yeah, it's it's huge, um, and it's got all the stands, hasn't it? Like mm-hmm. Kazakhstan, that's right, and yeah. places like that. But it comes all the way over, and it borders Poland and, and Norway, rather. So that's you know not far from here. No, that's a, that's a big old span, isn't all it? All the way over there. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to listen to a little bit you may remember from a film you might have seen way back when. Susan, and uh, I'm not ready for all of this. I'm 13 years old. Oh, and who is it? You think that there isn't a frightened kid inside of me, too? No, I mean, I really am 13. You know, I I went to bed, I went to bed one night, and I was a kid, and when I woke up the next morning, I was a grown-up. Oh, right. I made a wish on a machine. It was called a Zoltar machine. Oh, stop it. It was called a Zoltar machine. It had this bobby head that looked oh. just like a devil. And if you got a cord in the devil's mouth, you can make a wish. You... And I did, so I made a wish to be big. That's what I'm trying to tell you is that I, I changed into a grown-up, but I'm really just a kid. Fine, Josh, you're a kid. I love that film. Tom Hanks is a great actor, isn't he? Wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. I loved him in Castaway. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Brilliant. With uh, With the basketball friend. Volleyball. Volleyball. Make a party. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> right. Okay, now... I tell this to talk about big. Uh, the the country the um, country of Thailand, its capital is Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Easy, we know it, Bangkok. We're very familiar with, but actually, that is an abbreviation. Is it really? Yeah, of the longest name of any place on earth. Okay, it's 163 letters. Wow. 23 words, and I'm going to have a go at it. And when I start, I'm not going to stop. All the best. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Krung Thep Mahankahon Amon Ratanokosin Mahintara Yutaya Mahadilok Thop Noparat Ratachanil Borum Udom Marachini Wet Masathan Amon Pimana Watan Sahit Sakatayaya Witsakanam Prasit. 
fantastic. <laughs> that's an eight out of ten. Well, that's easy for me to Very say. Very good. Yeah. So I've done the longest. Now, what's the shortest? Well, there's actually shortest towns that actually only have one letter. So the really? word river in Scandinavian yeah. is E, right. and both Norway and Sweden have villages with this as their name. So your address is like 15 High Street, E? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. And Sweden also has a village named E, uh, which means island. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Positive. Okay. And then France has a nice easy one. They have a village named Y. E. E. That means there, doesn't it? There you go. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think that'd be quite good fun. It'd be really easy to fill out those really annoying forms when you're buying stuff on the internet. It would, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. I have it to self-populate, but <laughs> yeah, it would be much quicker. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, this uh, is a song by Regina Spector, and it's called Small Bill. Try to buy the things he needed He had spent it all on Lucy's and Weedah He had spent it all on chips and Coca-Cola He had spent it all on chocolate and vanilla He had spent it all and didn't even feel it He had spent it all and didn't even feel it Let's divide consumers into the big ones, those with plenty of money to spend, and the small consumers for whom money is in short supply. A big consumer buys a carton of milk, it costs 30 pence. A small consumer buys the same carton of milk, and of course, it too costs 30 pence. But if the big consumer buys 24 cartons of milk in a box at wholesale prices, which of course they can because they have the money to do it, then each carton of milk will be cheaper for the big consumer than it will be for the small consumer, whose cash flow means they can only buy one or two cartons at a time. In other words, a lot of basic goods are potentially cheaper for rich people than they are for poor people. The big consumer can pay for their annual car tax in one go, and so save money, while the poorer, small consumer, short of money, will pay it in monthly installments and end up paying more in tax than the richer consumer. You know, they tout the economies of scale as favoring the poor and the small, but I'm not so sure. Better get a head start, start running, while you were skimming from the top was sunny, but all the weather about to turn real crummy, cause everybody gonna want their money, yeah, everybody gonna want their money, better get a head start, start running, better get a head start, start running, cause it's about to get so unfunny, all the poets in the alley coughing up blood, and their visions and their dreams are coming up red They can either wake up or go deeper But it's so dangerous to wake a deep sleeper This is Box 39 With Bill Lawrence and Craig Barker And this is Big and Small our show about things that are unique, whatever their size. And welcome back. You are listening to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humour and chat, live from Studio One at Cone Radio Towers on 106.6 FM. Cone Radio with myself, Craig Barker, Adrian Cohen and Bill Lawrence. And this is our show about big and small, our insight into the momentous and major, the significant and the substantial. And we're going to talk about business. Now, it's a, well known, it's a little well-known fact that Dame Vera Lynn uh, was one of the UK's biggest exporters of handmade false teeth for fighting dogs. Of course. Yeah. A regular pub quiz question, that Yeah, one. and it said she could size up perfectly a German shepherd just by eye alone. <laughs> yeah. So business, economics and trade, well, they dominate our world, don't they? So it's, it isn't a surprise, is it, Craig? Those places like that are absolutely full of extremes. They are, aren't they? And did you want to have a guess at the top three largest companies oh, yeah. in the world by yeah. revenue? Yeah, OK. Well, I'll start the, the biggest one. Um, I'm, well, I know the richest person, so I'm sort of assuming it might be something to do with... Is it something to do with 
Apple. Am I in the right area? Yeah, it's a very, very wealthy company, but it's not in the top three. Now, Apple's not in the top it's three. It's not in the top three. Goodness no. me. So yeah. Yeah, give me a clue. What, what, was, what zone are we in? What area? Well, think of retail. Yeah. One of the biggest American retail chains. Oh, the one they all talk about. Walmart. Walmart. Asda to us. That's the one. $576 billion <laughs> oh, in my, revenue. Want to have a, my, a guess of what the top, the second might be? Well, I think it would have to be the one we all use and we all don't want to use, but we use it. Yeah, Of course it is. The Amazon. It's Amazon retail company. Yeah. One of the only companies that probably during COVID actually made more money. Yes, everybody else was losing money. <laughs> Everyone just ordered through Amazon. Products. Well, that's right. I remember sitting there just watching van after van. That's right. Pull up outside. Yeah. So, what was the third one then? The third one is Petro China, which is an oil and gas company. Yeah, four hundred forty-three billion. Yeah, I, yeah I, I would assume anything oil and gas, either China or maybe a Saudi one. Is there a Saudi? There one is a Saudi one. Yeah, Saudi uh, so Saudi Aramco at uh, three hundred ninety-four billion dollars. Well, we're in the wrong game, aren't we? We are. And then Apple just rounds out the list at a cool three hundred eighty-eight billion. <laughs> That's all. Well, okay. Now, if we want to talk about extreme, how about the longest time working? Now, I've worked, the longest I've ever worked for a company is uh, 21 years. The shortest I've ever worked for a company is three days. So how about you? What's, what's your longest? The longest has probably got to be about seven years. Yeah. I've been around the block a little bit. <laughs> um, shortest... Probably about a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. About a week and a half. We've all done those jobs that you we just realise the moment you step over the threshold. This is not for me. Yeah. This is not for yeah. me. I'll see how the week. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, there was a gentleman called Walter, and he lived in Brazil, mm-hmm. and he has worked, I don't know if he's still there, but he's worked at the same company. It's a textile company. He's worked there for 84 years. Wow. Good he's, on him. He's not 84 years old. He's just worked at the same company for 84, so he's got to be at least 100, hasn't he? He must be a national treasure there, yeah. surely. There can't be anything in that company. He doesn't know where it is or where to find it That's or right. how, it, how it works. The amount of staff he must have seen come and go as yeah. well. Oh, the fortune that he spent on presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's just waiting for his own one. It's what like, a leaving oh. gift. They'll give him a house. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, in this country, uh, a guy called Buster, Buster Martin, mm-hmm. is 104 years old. 104, he's doing 104, all right then. And he's still working. Wow. Uh, and this is the, the thing. He's a habitual drinker, yeah. and he smokes 20 cigarettes a day. And he's a van cleaner. He works for a plumbing company in London. So he drives around London all day, which has got to be the most stressful thing it to do. It must be, yeah. Yeah. But he's apparently, he's never missed a day at work. That's Even, amazing. Yeah. On his 100th birthday, he turned up for work. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Or he could say, come on, get a life buster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your 100th birthday, take a day off. But he didn't do it. He even completed the London Marathon uh, when he was 101. Oh, take a day off, buster, come on. Yeah. You're making us all look bad. Yeah, yeah. So what else do we know about jobs that's uh, that's an extreme then? Well, I mean, how about jobs that no longer exist? Oh, yeah. Good so topic. we've Good got topic. 10 pin bowling pin setters. So obviously now, if you go bowling, there's the automated pin machines. Oh, yeah. Where in the 1950s, before the automated pin setters were introduced, a 10-pin bowling pin setter was a legitimate job. And you thought that was a job for life. You did. And um, then these blinking pin setters <laughs> came along. Yeah. It's all out of work. Well, I know another one. The first job I ever had, uh, there was a whole fifth floor, and it was devoted to um, mainly women who worked in this. They were switchboard operators. Of course, yeah. So when you made a telephone call, they yeah. had to connect you... That was 1979, and we were all connected mm-hmm. through the switchboard. Yeah. Yeah. Any others? Uh, well, Milkman nearly, Paperboys nearly. They still exist, but you'd wonder with the way we yeah. are digitally now, certainly with news, whether Paperboys is going to be perhaps something that's uh, on the way out. Yeah. There was also, I tell you what, was before fridges, um, they used to cut blocks of ice from frozen lakes right? Okay. with hand saws, and they'd be stored in ice houses. So, before refrigeration, yeah, it was a way to keep pantries and, and other areas. Yeah, you'd go and buy a block of ice, and it would have been hand-cut for you from a frozen lake somewhere, put on a boat, presumably, and mm-hmm. brought back. Well, the, that, the, I mean, you just have to say, what jobs do we do now that will cease to exist? Well, they say, don't they, that a lot of the children at school now, by the time they finish school, there'll be jobs that haven't even started yet currently. Yeah. So when they leave school, there'll be jobs that didn't exist when they were still studying. Will there still be, however, radio presenters? They'll never knock us off the air, Bill. Well, what the hell are you, then? A sex maniac or something? <laughs> Oi! <laughs> now then, 
idea of what the costliest thing in the world is the costliest thing in the world uh, a divorce <laughs> <laughs> close it's a substance called antimatter no it is what on earth is that it's actually it's a scarce and very difficult item which is produced at an exorbitant price how about that for a definition all right well go on how much uh, if i want to buy a gram of it that will cost you a cool 62.5 trillion dollars Trillion. Trillion dollars. So, it, it, essentially, there isn't a gram in the world, and there must be one gram in the world or something. That's right, in order to get that, that valuation. But antimatter is currently too expensive for practical use, but its potential is limitless. Well, I'll tell you, when it comes down a bit in price, when it's under a fiver, a gram... I'll grab a couple. <laughs> yeah, we'll get some, yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever been to Disney World? I have been to Disney World a few times. Why, what do you think is the most expensive uh, activity in Disney World? <sighs> Queuing up and buying a coat? <laughs> No, it's actually getting married, wow. which a number of people, a large number of people do, because yeah. I actually interviewed on this show a couple of years ago um, a, a someone who write, uh, runs a travel agency uh -huh. in North Essex okay. who specialises in sending people on these packages. Wow, and how much does it cost to get married at Disney World? Well, let's go basic. Let's go basic, three and a half grand. Three and a half grand for a basic but Disney you package. you can have 50 grand's worth of add-ons. So that's a couple of Mickey Mouse handshakes and a photo <laughs> yeah. with Pluto. And they give you yeah, some Mickey Mouse ears as well. I yeah, presume. well, I'd imagine so, and a refillable yeah. drink. I mean, that's a lot of money. That it? is, isn't it? Well, that's good. People enjoy it. So, uh, um, so what about the most expensive, useless thing in the world, then? <laughs> well... I guess uh, a useless thing. We can't have people, can we? Because I'm thinking of one or two people at the moment. Um, how a thing? Yeah, I don't know. What can I get? Say, so, say so I've got ten million dollars. Well, if you have ten million dollars for you know, even for a bit of change, you could actually get a diamond encrusted chess set. Oh, nice, nice. So nine point eight million dollars, you can have it in diamond encrusted chess set. Uh, that is that fair. comes with fourteen carat white gold and nine thousand nine hundred black and white diamonds. How does that sound? That sounds very nice. It'd be it'd be quite shiny and dazzling, wouldn't it? It I'm would. Like, I wouldn't want to play with it. Spoil my concentration. I it think. would, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't want to play with anybody else either, in case they damage it. Yeah. Well. It's funny how things that you never thought were going to be expensive become very valuable because years ago, I remember when Super Mario Brothers came out yes. in the early 90s, maybe something like that. Uh -huh. yeah. And it was great, wasn't it? Great fun. It was. Well, if you manage to have a boxed set of that, uh, one of the first ones that came out, absolutely sealed, original one, y you could um, sell that for $2 million. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? What were they, about $25 each yeah. when they were first 25, out? Yeah, so hang on to everything that you think is cheap and may want. And, and, and just, just never open it. Yeah, and just become a hoarder. Yeah. 
Just keep it in your loft, in a box, and hope that one day it's worth a bit of cash. Yeah. In fact, just keep everything. Never throw anything away. (laughs) You never know. And uh, that $2 million you get in the end will just pay for the people to come and clear all your rubbish away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, at an auction... I do know the most expensive painting. Uh, it's by Leonardo da Vinci, which we sort of probably would have yeah, guessed. Yeah, uh, that would have been probably one of my guesses. Yeah, for, yeah. it's the Salvador Mundi, mm-hmm. and that went to um, the Crown Prince of Saudi, right. Mohammed bin Salman, uh-huh. and he bought that in a New York auction yep. for, you ready? Go on. 450 and a few m- more p- pence million dollars. 450. Imagine having that much disposable income. Yeah. That is something else, isn't uh, it? You, for a painting. Yeah, he must just sit and stare at that. You'd have to, wouldn't you? In your bathroom. (laughs) Every morning, get a good look at it. Hang it above your toilet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's that's expensive, but let's go cheap. Yeah, well, of course, there's wheat. Um, In real terms, beef, pork and beans and many other products of uh, food source have dropped considerably in price over the last 100 years, and most of that is due to the farming revolution of the 1960s. Yeah. Um, in 1904, your $20 gold coin would buy you about 20 bushels of wheat. Yeah. And this stayed about the same until about the 1960s. And then right. in 2022, a $20 gold coin would buy you about 187 bushels of wheat. Well, that's uh, nine times as much. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It is. Food's really come down. Actually, yeah. quite a lot of things have got cheaper. We're just um, Cars, they're a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, petrol, well, you wouldn't think so, but in real terms, petrol has got yeah. cheaper in real terms. Making phone calls must be. I remember as a kid having to like put money in a box. That's right, yeah, call. yeah. And, uh, of course, TVs, because yeah. they're stack them high, sell them cheap these days, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, airline tickets. Yeah, and sure. uh, laptops, of course, as well. Absolutely. So, actually, it's not all bad, is it? It's not all bad. No. It's not all bad. Indonesia's football team has played Thailand's national team 80 times, but has only won 20 of those matches, while losing 45 times. That's a miserable 25% win rate. But how come? Indonesia is a big soccer-mad country with a population of 280 million, making it the world's fourth most populous nation and the tenth largest economy. Meanwhile, the relatively small country Thailand has less than 70 million people and is the world's 24th largest economy. Football is the most popular sport in Indonesia in terms of annual attendance, participation and revenue. In Thailand, it's Thai boxing and badminton that are popular. Thailand was never colonized by a football-playing European power, while Indonesia was a colony of the footballing powerhouse Netherlands for hundreds of years. And yet, Indonesia's only qualified for three of the 15 Asian Cups held over the last 70 years. So what's going on? Why is a small country beating a big country like this time and time again? Well, the answer. There's scarcely any properly organized competitive football going on in big Indonesia's primary and secondary schools, while there is in the schools of small Thailand. This is Box 39, and uh, we're looking at big and small. That's myself, Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen, who's just been talking to you, and Craig Barker. And we've looked at machines, we've looked at business, we've looked at uh, lots of things, but we're now going to look at people. Now, Charlie Chaplin is very fond of saying that you should always measure a man's honesty by the length of his moustache. And how can we really, truly quantify people uh, 
you know, how do you calculate the importance of people? Well, I'm going to pick on one person, uh, Craig, because I'm I'm uh, rather an expert. If I was going to go on, uh, if I was going to go on Mastermind, Craig, this mm-hmm. would be uh, this would be my choice. It's Albert Einstein. Okay, right. Fascinating man. Yeah, fascinating man. Uh-huh. Uh, Germany. He was born in sort of 1879, so he was about 21 at the turn of the century. Uh-huh. All right, and he died in 1955. So right. he led a life. He did. He led a life. He did. Yeah. Uh, we probably know him as a, as a physicist, uh-huh. a yep. theoretical physicist, because mm-hmm. he was such a good physicist. He was actually looking at stuff that you could never really see. It. You could never really prove it was also all mathematical. Yeah. Right, so okay. clever. Yeah. Um, he was chased by the German Nazi Party, and so he got out. He got out in the 30s, went to the United States, and we all know, I'm sure you know, his most famous um, equation about energy. Yep, that's right. So E equals MC squared. That's right. 1905. Yeah, very mm-hmm. good. Yep. So E is energy. Uh-huh. Okay, that's uh, that could be a, an atom bouncing around, or a person running around, right, or, okay, or, yeah. or the sun moving around. All mm-hmm. the energy—that's energy. That's energy. Uh-huh. Um, and he said that's equal because E equals yep. the mass. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, the mass of it multiplied by the square of the speed of light. Okay, so what's that equal to in miles per second then? That Lots, a... loads, much more than my little hybrid can do. Is at one hundred and eighty-six thousand wow. miles per second the speed of light. So. Uh, and basically, your energy mm-hmm. and your mass are different ways to measure the same thing. So the energy of me could be measured, and you could also measure my mass. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and because mass, said Einstein, and this is just about getting to the limits of my understanding, he said it's like a super concentrated form of energy. And actually, he said, you can... Your energy can be going, one moment it can be mass, one moment it can be energy. Things, things can turn from energy to mass, energy to mass. So it's fluid. Yeah. But, you know, I, <laughs> I have to say, all I know is something to do with the atomic bomb. <laughs> so and all of that. And it's really clever. Something about that. Yeah. Something about the atomic bomb. He's a, he's a very clever man, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, he was. Yeah. Well done, Einstein. Um, you're a very clever man. What will we do for the next two weeks? Well, I put on the kettle. Yeah, go on. Must be one of the ones that clicks off automatically. Yes. Bit of steam there. Uh, incidentally, did you bring any tea bags? No. Right. Okay, one last time. These are small, but the ones out there are far away. <laughs> Small, far away. Okay, one last time. These are small, but the ones out there are far away. Small, far away. Don't with this sort of thing. Careful now. Night, Dougal. Night, Ted. So, Bill, I'm going to tell you one of my favourite people from the poll that was taken in 2021 to find the most famous people. Okay. And he would be Cristiano Ronaldo. Ah, yes. So, one of the world's best ever footballers. Yeah. He has the highest followers on Facebook. Wow. Over his time playing career, he set great records playing for Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juventus, and the Portuguese national team. Have you have? Do you have any idea as to how many times he's won the world's best player award? 
Well, it's got to be more than once, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I would say at least three times, maybe That's more. Five times. I think wow. only Lionel Messi has achieved. Yeah. So quite an accomplishment. Yeah. And, and does he know that he's one of the world's best footballers? I think he does, doesn't he? I think yeah. everything he does is, is followed. Most recently, refusing to stay for the full 90 minutes of a Manchester United match and knowing that that will make headline news. Yeah, but I, I, there's two ways of looking at that, isn't it? You could say, well, good for him because he is the world's greatest footballer. He's, he's entitled to just have a you know to despise everything everything else in football that's his human right a yeah. bit like just wiping millions of dollars off the Coca-Cola stocks at the Euros by throwing <laughs> yeah. the bottles and putting aqua on the table yeah. instead yeah and if if everyone in the world constantly tells you you're the greatest it must be very difficult not to believe it I think so I think your entire society and your your sort of experience of life must change to suit that yeah. narrative so it must yeah. be very difficult not to feel like you're incredibly important because everyone around you is treating you differently yeah so are we, are we likely to see him playing at Cole U well you know he hasn't played for Ipswich <laughs> so probably not no no but when he does play for Cole U and he might do when he's in his late 40s maybe yeah early 50s perhaps looking for a game yeah yeah give him a run out yeah absolutely what a great idea Europe has big countries and small countries. Russia, Germany, United Kingdom, France, Italy, Spain, Ukraine and Poland are the big countries of Europe. They range from 145 million to 38 million in population. Together, they make up 75% of Europe's total population of 740 million. After those nine countries, there's a gap and we have countries like the Netherlands at 17 million and Romania at 19 million. Below that, I think we are talking about small countries, really. You have to combine the populations of Sweden, Hungary, Belarus, Austria, Serbia, Switzerland, Bulgaria and Denmark in order to reach the population of the United Kingdom. There are 15 countries in Europe that have a smaller population than Essex, which is 1.8 million, and this makes Essex big. But Essex is smaller than Greater London, West Midlands, Greater Manchester, West Yorkshire, Kent and Hampshire, who together have 21 million people. Only 2.5% of the British people live in Essex, which makes Essex small. Essex is both big and small. It just depends. Right, I've written 183 words for this 65-second musicology to be overdubbed onto the 150-second song. So I'll stop. Good evening and welcome back to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humour and chat. Live from Studio One at Con Radio Towers, 106.6 FM, Con Radio, with myself, Craig Barker, Adrian Cohen and Bill Lawrence. And this is our show about big and small, a show that rows its boat far beyond the calm waters of the mill pond of the mundane, instead setting sail into the swirling seas of the sensational. Indeed. Now, the world is full of megalomaniacs, comedians and tax evasion accountants. And that was said by the beetroot-faced giggle trader, Ricky Gervais. And, you know, who can argue there with Mr Gervais? There are 7.8 billion people alive as I speak, Craig. It's not surprising. Human race has produced some very sort of notable and notorious examples of very dangerous things. They have indeed, yeah. Well, let's play a little game of most dangerous or safer nations, shall we? Okay, so yeah, there's 23 on. different indicators to make up this uh, this poll. So right. they include political terror right. and deaths from internal conflict and, of course, the murder rate. So right. do you want to have a guess at what might be the most dangerous nation? Uh, well, 
I would say it probably somewhere that's very unstable, like I maybe Yemen or Afghan. Somewhere Excellent. Like that. Very good guess. Afghanistan. Yeah, most dangerous yeah. place. Followed by Yemen in. Yeah, place. yeah. Although uh, Russia these days, perhaps. Yeah, Russia's up there along I with Syria. There's as well. a few murders in Russia, isn't there? There is indeed. Yeah. Uh, or if you're Russian, you don't even have to be in Russia. No, that's uh, it. Uh, allegedly. Uh, I was going to say allegedly murders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Well, if that's the most. Dangerous. Afghan, you say Yemen, Syria? Yep, Russia, there? and then South Sudan, okay. round up the top five. Okay, uh, but what are the safest places? Well, perhaps not surprising, Austria and Denmark make up the top two. Yeah. Ireland is third. Anyone have a guess at the final two that round up the top five? New Zealand. New Zealand, yep. Yeah, because that's a long way away, and you feel, you'd feel kind of safe there, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So what's the last one? Iceland. Wow. Well, the last thing I just want to ask is, where is the United Kingdom in all that? Well, the United Kingdom is ranked 24th. Much lower than I would have expected. Yeah. Of course, there'd be safer and more dangerous parts of all of these countries, wouldn't there? Of course, there would be. Of course, there would be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Colchester High Street on a Friday night is uh, maybe less safe than on a Monday night. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with and ho, there's some very uh, lovely places. I would imagine it's quite a safe place, with no? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, that's nice. Well, thankfully, we're sitting in with and ho. We should be safe. We should well be. Excellent. Well, let's listen to Elvis Costello. Right, it's time to have a rummage in the Musicology's mailbag for messages about big and small. Uh, Let's have a look. I have a few messages here from people contacting me through my Cone Radio Musicology's Tinder account, where I appealed for comments on big and small for this show. Let's see, big and small. Ooh, okay. Can't read that one on the air, I'm afraid. Hmm, What's this? I see. Right. Ooh, I can't read that one out either. What about this one? Ooh, no, I can't. Uh, these are rather candid messages, you know. Well, maybe this one. I say it comes with a photo as well. Gosh. Okay. Well, sorry about that. Not the best idea I've ever had. But anyway. Stormy Daniels 248, Miss Nympho 74, Stanway Seeker 69, and Madame Harwich 1980. Thanks for your interest. There are Cone Radio felt pens and stickers on their way to you. As always, we're racing through the show, and we've just got time, Craig, to have a look at some listeners' texts that have come in, some emails. So the first one, do you want to pull the first one off there, off the computer? Yeah, so I'll take this one. So this is from Ron and Reggie in Brightlingsea, and uh, they say the British police are the best in the world, but that's nonsense. We remember when the coppers came into the Blind Squirrel pub in Walthamstow back in 1992 to arrest Lefty Strawbridge, and they made a complete nausea up 
getting the handcuffs on him just because he only had one arm. We roared with laughter. (laughs) Lefty was like an uncle to us, in fact. He became our new favourite uncle when he married Auntie Lil on one of his weekends out on licence from the scrubs. Ah, right. It just shows you you can never tell what sandwiches will taste the best until you've licked all the buffet food first. Well, that's quite right, <laughs> Ronan Reggie. I don't quite understand why you'd be licking all the buffet oh, wow. food. That's not a very nice thing no. to do, but uh, anyway, I'm glad that uh, you enjoyed your time with Lefty when he was let out. So that's yeah, good. That's it. Okay, well, I've got one here from Pauline Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in West Samway, and Pauline says, um, she says, I often think about what superpower I would not have to like. She says her second husband, Kurt, ran a safari business when they lived in South Africa, and he always said he wished he could speak to the animals, but Pauline says she wouldn't want that. She says, imagine what a baboon would say, especially when you consider how undignified baboons are about the state of their bottoms. Mm. Yeah, it's true, Pauline. What superpower would you not want to have? X-ray vision. I mean, I prefer to know. I just knock and ask if a toilet's engaged rather than having to look through the door. Yeah, I don't want to see people's guts. No. No, not very nice. Okay, Pauline, we don't want X-ray vision. No, Um, thank you. And uh, don't talk to the animals either. I don't think it's a very nice thing to do. No, I agree. No. Okay, uh, we've got time. Very got final time. We've got a little little moment. We can get one there from Mango Dread. Uh, Hello, good evening, Mango. He's in Shrub End. And his wife, Peachy, and he says, and and he often cook themselves the best and most favourite food in the middle of the night. Okay. Yeah, it's usually... Whatever we can buy from the little shop at the all-night petrol station in Shrub End, mm-hmm. that's a good shop, actually. And as long as we can fry it and stuff it into a sandwich, then it will be the best uh, a treat. That's true. But, they, yeah. but Mango says he never eats mushrooms. All right. Peachy apparently calls them food from the devils, and I'll, I'll translate that as backside. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, what's your best or worst late-night snack? Well, I've got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of mushrooms either, but um, there was a friend of mine who used to wake up in the middle of the night, and he always used to say that a slice of white buttered bread and a Mars bar was the best midnight snack yeah would you wrap the bread round the Mars bar then that is genius yeah that is genius I don't know if he did but I'll have to feed back to him if he hasn't tried that he's missing something I reckon I think he absolutely is you know I have to say Craig the stuff that makes our planet exists on on every possible scale doesn't it from the micro to the macro while the big stuff can grab our attention more the tiny stuff well that's quite fascinating as well I'm so excited and I just can't hide it I, I can't think helping that that 1980s jam buster from, from the funk uber divas the pointer sisters it sort of gets that feeling correctly doesn't it because when we're feeling excited we're upbeat we're a ball of energy we're pleasure on a stick and nothing says excitement more and in a louder David Attenborough way than when it's supersized both uh, bigly and pocket sized is that right? I completely agree good old David Attenborough and look there's another one just dropped in there from Donna from Norwich oh hey Donna fantastic Donna and Donna's text is to say she said uh, she's recently quit her boring office job and she says after six months of training at City College in Norwich she's recently qualified as a croupier now uh, Donna she says she works most nights at the exclusive Norwich City Centre casino the biggest slot in town where gamblers pay top money to play roulette all day and poker all night so thank you Donna thanks for uh, that Donna that's a great that's a great job she's got there it is. so well this has been Box 39 it's been the magazine of music community human chat we've been live here you've been listening to Colm Radio and thanks so much Craig for coming in absolute privilege so from high up here in studio one on the fourth floor of con radio towers looking out over the full and fertile lands of northeast essex it's time for us to close box 39 once more be seeing you be seeing you
is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. <laughs> <laughs>